friends! Welcome to episode 133 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. And I'm super excited. I know. I, I know. I'm you're, going on. You are gushing hard. All about it. One of my favorite uh, book series, one of Sean's favorite book series, Wheel of Time, is getting made into a TV series. It premieres this Friday on Amazon Prime, and oh, I'm so jazzed about it. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I've been kind of gushing about Arcane, um, the uh, League of Legends series, because I've been loving all the cinema up to this point, mm-hmm. and I've always felt like... This beautiful artwork, this beautiful storytelling, wonderful music is kind of going to waste. And, like, I mean, it's not waste. It's enjoyable still. But, like, there's so much there to play with. And seeing it now being portrayed in a full-on series, a story, is wonderful to see. And I'm not surprised that they grabbed Jinx. I'm not surprised in the least. Yeah, yeah. A very, very recognizable, lovable character. And, honestly, it wraps the story really well. I didn't. I didn't get into League of Legends, um, but I did play my fair share of Dota. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's kind of the same thing. Where like it, it almost felt like a waste. Where you had such great character backstories, mm-hmm. and all they were was just you know just this like five v five you know team fighting game. Yeah, and they could have been colored sprites with abilities, and it would be no different. Exactly. You know, it was so separated. But I I think that for me, it was more enjoyable than the game. Like, I never really enjoyed League of Legends as a whole. Sure. And I, I could never get into playing it online with anybody other than friends. Well, you're in good company. There are there are millions of people out there who also hate League of Legends. So <laughs> I don't hate it, but I understand <laughs> the challenges involved in the system. Um, but it's wonderful to see um, how easy it is. And, uh, and I shouldn't say easy. I take that back. I apologize to the producers and the creators and everything like that. I should not have said that. Uh I see how wonderful it is that these streaming services have been able to invest in these types of endeavors and create amazing content mm-hmm. um, that we wouldn't have seen before, like practically indie content, and because they need content, and then jewels like this just pour out. Oh, sure. When they hit the right vein, and. Honestly, they're listening really well to their audiences to get that. And mm-hmm. we're seeing that. We're seeing, you know, people like, you know, groups like Disney and Amazon and Paramount and Netflix finding and mining these things that they know are wanted. Yeah, yeah. And then doing, in some cases, the best thing, which is to hand them money and walk away. Mm-hmm. Just just give this to us later. You know, we need it by this time. Otherwise, this is your baby, not ours. We're, we're going to step. You know, we're not going to step into this and, and, and bother it. Yeah. And in some cases, they've done that, and it's worked out exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I've been happy to see some of it. It's it's a great – It's honestly, it's a great time for, for, for media and stuff. Yeah, like that. and Just... I, I hope this continues. I hope this continues. There's I am certain there's probably 40 podcasts that talk about this topic mm-hmm. uh, and go and dissect these things into detail. But – for storytelling purposes, it's a wonderful time. It really is. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have uh, a lot of mixed media, and it's beautiful to see. Coming up in February, uh, the Critical Role um, uh, uh, show is going to be coming out on Amazon Prime as well. I know. And, I mean, just 
I, I, I keep my, my brain keeps reeling around what exactly that means. You know, I mean, obviously yeah. I'm a fan of the, I'm a fan of the, of, of the yeah, show and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, but no like, doubt, no doubt. but like some dudes had a D and D game and now that's a multi-million dollar cartoon project on a major network. I know. I know. And I, and I guess what's even better about it is they're all voice actors. Yeah. <laughs> so it fits really well. I guess who's going to be voicing the characters, you know? Yeah. Clearly that what, I mean, somebody once, uh, somebody asked an open question when I was, uh, um, surfing through some things and they said, who's going to do the biography on this in 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years from now? Cause at some point it's going to end, yeah. you know that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it 10, 15 years after that, you know, 10 years after that, there's going to be like a revival of some level mm-hmm. and you know, they might do some kind of a, or, you know, an, uh, now this kind of a thing, um, but like, who who's gonna do the documentary later about this? I don't know. You know who's who's gonna be our our new uh, a new voice to do those pieces? The Ken Burns twenty three part retrospective, yeah. critical role retrospective. Yeah, because yeah. it's gonna be huge to, to explain the story. It's gonna be huge, but so many people know it. Mm-hmm. You know, but how much will it fade? How much will it be just a figment in time? You know? It's crazy to think. It's yeah. crazy to think that it even that it even is a thing in time to Today. begin with. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyways, we have uh, now that we've got got the got the got the rambles out. Uh, we've got a topic today, um, and we're going to talk about uh, player expectations. Um, and it's one of those uh, kind of strange things that kind of sits in between, like. Um, I don't know. It's it's a little difficult to 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 define for me because it's not quite as solid as like anything you can adjudicate with game mechanics. Well, we already know that this is going to be an NC seventeen episode based upon some of the piece content that it's we're going to be not discussing at NC some point. Seventeen. So I'm just going to say this is going to be challenging as hell to discuss. It's not NC seventeen uh, in the sense of where it fits. Um, so what we're talking about tonight is player expectations. And when we say that it is a very broad topic, Mm -hmm. it is, it covers so much ground. Um, not just what it sounds like the concept of player expectations. It's like, what do your players expect to get out of the game? It's just one part of that. Right, right. How they are playing the game and where they fit into it is all even more of that. And also what 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 is covered and meant by expectations is that yeah. deal with what they're expecting to happen in game, what they're what they're what they're expecting from an out of game standpoint, you know. Yeah. And how to present that in any meaningful way that describes it well enough to get everybody on the same page. Yes. So, when we're talking about player expectations, um it's it's not really stuff like what monsters are we gonna fight or who is the big bad evil guy. It's not those are more like character expectations or anticipations about the story, but they're not I, I wouldn't really call those player expectations. No. We're we're talking more of like, is this a horror game or a lighthearted adventure? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um will we explore certain themes that might be sensitive? You know, are we gonna deal with with adult things? Yeah. Um, it, is it going to be long? Is it going to be short? And and those are relative terms, keep in mind. I mean, one thing is to be said is that if you're at a convention and you're sitting down to play a game, you get an expectation wrapped up of, if you, is there multiple episodes? Are you playing every day? Or is this a, I'm sitting down for four hours, and that is the session. That's it. So 
it's going to be fast and furious mm-hmm. and quick and and it's not going to be as complete as any other story but it's still going to feel good yeah you know uh and also other things of like you know how often are we going to level up mm-hmm. like that that's that's a player expectation i i wrote that one on specifically because that one was not met for me in a, in a game that i left mm-hmm. you know um is this more of an rp style game or more of a hack and slash that's a pretty common expectation i i think that is more today than it ever has been oh yeah yeah Way especially more today. With, with with the given the options that yeah. are on the market now for, mm-hmm. for different rp games mm-hmm. um so why is this why is this sort of thing really important to discuss i mean you figure you're all going to sit down to a to a tabletop game you know you're all friends at the table okay just play some D. what does it matter why do you have to worry about managing player expectations well i think much like um any tabletop game regardless of if it's role-playing or not i i think there's an expectation i can remember sitting down to play caracassone which is a very simple game of laying tiles Mm -hmm. and whether or not we wanted to play aggressively or not was actually a topic yeah and we're talking about just a very simple tile game Mm -hmm. you know um you know, but that's an expectation. That's something in there, especially if you don't know the people around you. And I think that's the key to it is, is that when setting the stage for expectations, you're talking about working with people you know, working with people you don't know, working with people with different opinions and setting that stage. And one of the things that um, I think you did uh, or, or that comes out of this is that if it's not set, people can get kind of upset and and hold that upset very close oh yeah yeah i i think um in my experience at least and i've got some managerial experience and such like that mm-hmm. as well yep. um in is because you find a lot of conflicts a lot of um bad emotions come out of mismanaged expectations uh it's quite simply somebody thought something was or was not going to happen and those expectations were not met Mm-hmm. Either the thing that they didn't think was going to happen did, the thing that they thought was going to happen may have happened de- differently than they than they expected, mm-hmm. uh, might not have happened enough, might have happened too much. One way or another, it didn't turn out how they thought it was going to be. Right. And it's not necessarily that the outcome itself was bad, but you'd be surprised how people will take it personally when something happens different from what they wanted to happen or what they thought was going to happen, you know? Yeah. Or, or something that you set an expectation. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone else's assumptions is definitely something that, that, that they have to manage, especially if they, they talk it out and there was clearly never anything definition. It was something that they just made an assumption on. Mm-hmm. It's another thing when you present something as one thing and it doesn't turn out that way and you never describe past why it why it changed uh case in point movies do this a lot oh yeah yeah um Um, trailers are not often what they come out to be they've been better i will say that it's gotten way better than it used to be for me the uh the 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 best example of mismanaged expectations was the movie a knight's tale that's Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger, okay. Alan Tudyk, and Rufus Sewell plays the uh, plays the bad guy. I honestly forgot that Alan Tudyk was in that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, uh huh. And so I, I went back and I specifically watched the trailer earlier today. Oh uh, lord! Just to, just to refresh it in my mind. Um, and now keeping in mind the movie does it does show a lot of um scenes of jousting and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. It shows a lot of very serious dialogue about how you know oh I'm not a I'm not a noble I'm just a commoner I can't joust well you know no screw that I'm gonna joust yeah um and it shows some you know uh some quippy dialogue mm-hmm. uh 
you know, like, oh, you're hitting people with a pointy stick, and Alan Tudyk going, it's called a lance, hello. Yeah. And, you know, it's a funny line. Yeah. So at least you know it's going to have some... some pluckiness plucky to Plucky dialogue yeah, yeah. to it, you know. Um, the trailer also featured um, the stomp, stomp, clap from We Will Rock You. Right, right. Uh, taken Care of Business mm-hmm. by uh, Huey Lewis, I think. Yeah. No, no. Taking Care of Business was... Uh... Taking Care of Business. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, keep going, keep going. Uh, anyways, it took a, featured that song, and it featured uh, at least the guitar part from Dragula by Rob Zombie. Right. Um, now, that's not terribly uncommon for a trailer to use some sort of pop culture music. Yeah. For instance, like, recently the movie Dune just came out, right? Yeah. The trailer, the very first trailer for that, had a really cool version of Eclipse by Pink Floyd playing over it. Incredible. And featured nowhere in the movie. Nope. None whatsoever. So, when you're watching a trailer about a jouster in medieval times with some plucky dialogue in it, you're just thinking, oh, it's a cute, plucky kind of comedy, but kind of, it's a dramedy about a commoner trying to play as a noble so he can joust you get into the movie theater and the opening credits are rolling and they're showing these sweeping scenes of what you originally take to be a renaissance fair you originally take it to be a renaissance fair because there are people hawking like food in the in the stands and all the the the, the crowd is cheering and queens we will rock you is yeah going full blast right this actually is the intro song mm-hmm. and it's the peasants actually doing the stomp stomp clap yeah it... stomp and you're like what is going on is this a renaissance fair are they gonna say like okay and this is how it all you know this is what it looks like modern day but let's take you back to medieval times right where it all started right no no that's medieval times no it no. is chock full of pop culture references um there's a scene where they're all all the nobles are dancing to Golden Years by David Bowie. Oh Lord. Uh now the long to make a a, a, a long story slightly shorter. Too late. This <laughs> is why people hated the movie. Because they looked at the trailer and they thought, oh, it's gonna be a plucky dramedy about med- medieval jousting. And they got this movie that was chock full of pop culture references completely off the realism scale right. a very good drama and a very good story yep. i will die on that hill mm-hmm. i love this movie but you either love it or you hate it mm-hmm. and if you hate it i would put 50 bucks on the reason you hate this movie is because you walked into the theater expecting one thing and received another yeah not that the thing you received was bad but the thing you received was not what you believed it to be from watching the trailer. The sale pitch, if you will. It was not the sales pitch. Yeah, I I kind of felt that uh, when I went and saw um, Plunkett and McLean, which is another kind of plucky period piece, if you will. Bachman Turner, Turner Overdrive. That's Thank the you. band. Thank you, Thank Knox. You. Um, and uh, when I saw that movie, the trailer for it was kind of odd um but it wasn't what the movie was but i had never seen the trailer Mm -hmm. i just watched the movie because i heard it was very good um and so i had no taint on it but looking back at the trailer i'm like this isn't the movie like this is this is a terrible 
short on what that movie actually yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a turn on that in mm-hmm. my mind of like, I, I don't think this was sold right. And people didn't get to experience it properly because it didn't have a good sales pitch. Yeah. So this is where I think we really get managed, uh, mismanaged expectations. Yeah, where absolutely. Where someone either presents it incorrectly or presents it as rote. And people are like, that's not what I thought this was going to be like at all. Because I thought what you said was just kind of flash in the pan. You're really telling me that it's this serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. So um, we we start setting our expectations in our session zero. Yes, I would agree with that. I think even prior to that in some of our sales pitches. Yeah, yeah, groups, I think but... so. Yeah, you know, hey, I'm thinking about running a, a really super serious, you know, Elder Scrolls themed role playing game. Yeah. We're going to use D&D 5th edition. Yeah. So, or so I'm running I'm running a Heroes game that's going to be on the high seas. Yeah, exactly. So you know, you, you kind of you buy that right there. That's a sales pitch. Yeah, you know? that, that's where you're at. And it's people a, are either in or out. You know? Right. Um, so we, we, we solidify a lot of the stuff though in our session zero then, um, when we're, uh, we're not only just making characters though, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're discussing the type of game mm-hmm. we'll be presenting, we hope uh, we are. what themes it might have, mm-hmm. uh, what style of play is this going to be more of an RP thing? Is mm-hmm. this going to be more of a political intrigue? Is it going to be hack and slash? Or um, is there going to be advancement or is this like a one shot yeah, kind exactly. of a thing? You know, a lot of the like we were talking in our uh, previous system spotlight, there's two ways to play things. You've got the adventure mode where it's a preset, you know, whether you create your characters or they're handed to you mm-hmm. and you're tweaking them, there's no advancement. This is the, this is the movie. We're doing this movie and we're done. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Um, there may be a movie following it up, but this is it, you know, kind of a thing. And so the game sits in a very tight scope. I, I'm, I'm going to a convention there's a session that's it Mm -hmm. you know kind of a thing so advancement becomes a huge play in that um and then the 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 thing that is sometimes the hardest to actually get which is getting feedback oh yeah 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 gathering feedback from players about what type of game they want yeah you know yeah i think a a lot of times you know we walk we walk into a session zero and go and and we just lay it down on the table and just go this this is what i'm running for you but yeah unzip unzip the bag throw out a bunch of guns and say this is what we're doing today yep you know yep and i i think it's i think it's very valuable at this point also to kind of get your your feedback from your players on like well you know okay oh i was kind of hoping to play a little more hack and slash okay well we can you know yeah we can we can maybe sprinkle some more combat in there if you're okay with doing stretches of rp between the combat then you know yeah you know and i think i think your opening gambit of story which is where your you know beyond your session 0 your milk run maybe even like your your brevity runs where you're you're getting used to the players yeah. you're you're introducing the character to the story yes you're or you're building um investment you know mm-hmm. this is the town that they're defending you know that they live in that that establishes things or gets gets them to know all the players involved in the process um those kinds of moments can often be the some of the best uh, information gathering. I know early for me, I am always, I mean, you see it all the time when you come by here and not everybody else gets to see it, but I have sticky notes that wrap around my monitor usually right after a game because I'm making quick notes during the game as people are telling me things. It's true. And you I, know, those scenes where like you see a, 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 a post apocalyptic <laughs> and like nature has already retaken it and vines are just covering everything. Now, if those vines are post it notes, that's what his office looks like. It, it does do that. And it's, <laughs> and it's just because I, I, I like taking quick notes mm-hmm. but they're not always 
connected. Yeah, yeah. And it helps me to be able to say, like, oh, my player just said this. I'm going to make a quick note about this because it's something I should really keep track of yeah, for later on. Yeah, absolutely. But it took a long time to get me my, get my brain trained to do that. So. Your your players, and we'll get a little bit more into this later, but your your players are your best, like, you, if just listening to your players, they will tell you what their expectations are, whether mm-hmm. they tell you these are my expectations or not. You know? Right, right, right. Um. So, you know, and, and there, there's a certain amount of work the room as well, uh, you know, or reading the room, I should say, during your session zero. You know, if, if you're if you're giving your sales pitch and you're watching your player's eyes glaze over and go like, oh, uh, yeah, OK, maybe maybe that's not the the enthusiastic consent you're looking for, you know. Right. Um, And so it, there's. You know, they, they they may be they may be telling you a lot about their expectations just in how they react to like just laying down your session zero and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, and and I think within those first sessions, some of the times, um, play, I've, I've seen the DMs and I, I agree with Knox in in live chat. Um, is that there's a lot of times when uh, DMs, uh, I would say early DMs or very militant DMs who are saying this is the way the story is going, love it or leave it. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Regardless of how you want to play the game, there are sometimes three, two, seven, maybe more other opinions at that table of the story. Mm-hmm. And they have to be present yeah. and part of, and that means compromise. Yes. It's cooperative yes. storytelling. Otherwise, go write a book. Yeah, yeah. Just go write a book. And and the other, I mean, and the other the other big thing is that you know session zeros are are super valuable for laying down the groundwork of those expectations from from moment one, but the conversation does not stop there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think this is kind of where where a lot of this like I'm take it or leave it. I'm the DM attitude mm-hmm. comes into play, is you know you'll you'll have people who, um, you know five ten game sessions down the road player will voice a concern and say hey this is this is not as fun for me as i thought it was going to be and there's a knee-jerk reaction that some storytellers have where they go well i we discussed this in in the session zero mm-hmm. so you you the have defense. to be okay with it yeah yeah you you said okay then yeah so now it's happening yeah, um, yeah that's we're going to come back to that point but and like that's, that's it's an not... ongoing discussion things change during gameplay Always, you know, um, especially during story. Some stories can get very deep, and players can be like, you know, I was totally into it. But then I talked to my therapist, and I, I, I might need to back out of the game. Well, I mean, even aside <laughs> from that, though, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, obviously, trigger triggers are a big thing. Right. Like, if if your therapist suggests you back out of your D and D game because it's affecting your personal life, that's uh, that's definitely a thing. That, but that's the far not end a, of the spectrum. But that's not mismanaged expectation. No, that's. That's a PTSD trigger, you know. Right, right, right. Um, and it's it's very serious, but it's not a mismanaged expectation. Whereas... What I'm talking about is stuff like you, the storyteller, might not be providing what you said you would provide. I th- I think that's accurate. Okay. During the session zero, I said this is going to be a hack and slashy game, and it's been four game sessions. We're still doing nothing but RP. Or political intrigue. Or vice or, yeah. versa. Yeah. And my players are drumming their fingers going like, I thought this was going to be something different, and you're still... Oh, we're, we're, we're getting to the fighting. We're getting to the fighting. We're getting to the fighting. But the Duke comes in and says, you know, yeah. and you're like, okay, God, can we fight the Duke? Like, 
what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Maybe the players had mistaken expectations. They thought they wanted something. You said, I'm going to run a hack and slashy game. They said, that sounds great. Three game sessions in, they're bored with combat. Yeah. It wasn't as much fun as they thought it was going to be. Or maybe you're presenting it in a way that makes it not fun for them. You know, maybe they like combat as long as it's story driven. Or And you're just giving them raw combat without with very little story. Right. It's not as heroic as they expected sure. it to be. Or the fighting is too vicious and now they're they they'd much rather do it tactically. I know our group kinda negotiated over doing vicious combat for a while. Yeah. You know. Or even like you you present them tons of loot and they just don't care about it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um not only that, but sometimes even in the presentation of the game. Maybe it's your maps, maybe it's your your terrain. Things are getting in the way and they're not even interested in it. It's not important right. to it's them. It's not the story, it's how the story is being told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, your music is too much or all the voices are a little too much for them or too little for them. Like they're they're just not engaged. Yep. You know, none of the NPCs mean anything to them sure. because they see them for all of two minutes before they're either killed or they leave and a new one comes in. Sure, sure. You know, all of these things are too, are, th- are meant to be kept track of or, or notes to be made. And communication is the key to all that. But the point is, is that things change and that's okay. 100%. That is absolutely okay. Like, that sometimes this happens and where it's, it looks at a lot of moving parts, a lot of different people involved and it's not always going to come out the way that you plan it to. And it's not always going to come out the way that your players expect So what to. you're saying, Sarah, is it's not you, it's me. I'm saying <laughs> it could be any number of things. But good relationships in gaming so, is about communication. Exactly. And you don't want to hold your players accountable for their initial expectations. You don't do that. We discussed this in session zero, so you have to be okay with it. Tabletop RPGs are a bit like getting frisky with somebody. I kind of love this. And I this don't is, want to, but I love this. This is where Rob said it's going to get NC-17. I swear, <laughs> to, God, I swear <laughs> to God I'm going to keep it clean. I'm going to keep it very PG-13 here. I okay? wish you the best. So tabletop RPGs are a little like getting frisky with somebody. Okay, In that they are a collaborative activity mm-hmm. where the all the people involved ideally wish to make everyone else in the endeavor happy about what is happening okay and that involves the input of, of, of everybody involved the expectations should be agreed upon in the beginning i agree okay yes that's what we call consent it's also what we call just setting proper expectations but keep in mind those expectations can change during the experience and frequently do we are not on a roller coaster where literally you're in the front car, you've agreed to get on the front car, and there is no getting off till the end of the ride. Exactly. That That is not the way this is played. Exactly. We are not on rails. So the, 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 consent, <laughs> the consent should be continuous and enthusiastic. If your players were into it before but are no longer into it, that is absolutely valid. You can't force them to be into it by going, well, you agreed 10 sessions ago at the, at the session zero that we're, that you were going to be into it. That that makes you the bad guy I'm just, or bad that, person. That makes you the bad person. That's right. Telling your players uh, and getting angry at your players that their expectations have changed does not fix anything. It no. just makes the other person at the table have bad feelings about what's happening. And continuing to 
cause that problem makes it not fun for everyone. Exactly. You're, you are not going to, I mean, maybe you enjoy pissing off your players. Maybe that's your go-to thing, but, like, that doesn't mean it's cooperative storytelling anymore. Exactly. That just makes you being a jerk to people randomly. So you're like, I'm going to, uh, okay, now now it's a he- it's combat-heavy game. You know, and people are like, well, God, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be nothing but combat. Like, this is a little too much combat. I'm not having fun with this anymore. Well, you agreed to a combat-heavy game, so here's another combat encounter. Or just roll another character. You're just going to brute force it over. Like, they already said they weren't having fun. Like, what right. are you doing, you right. know? Exactly. So, that I'm sorry. That's, that's where the metaphor ends. Yes. But... Pl- players versus the storyteller is 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 a style but it is not compa- we're not talking it's about that in this r- rarely good yes it's rarely good it rarely works out especially when everybody at the table is not agreed to storyteller versus it's getting players. hot and combat heavy that's that's awesome Knox. i have to I have to agree <laughs> that fits all way too way too well all right so what what do we do then if player expectations are not being met we get up and walk away from the table i'm exactly. joking i'm joking exactly stop playing rpgs altogether <laughs> just burn your books yes um no no it's it happens often me uh, you know you'll see it your players will see it it's gonna happen and there's literally no way for us to cover everything but we're gonna say the same thing we've been saying for the last three years communicate communicate just talk between the players and the storyteller that's it just communicate that fixes it doesn't fix but it definitely makes it easier to get to a resolution for the relationship of the storyteller and the story. So one of the things I picked up from you, mm-hmm. uh, well, we've discussed this before, but in yeah. case you're, you you haven't listened to 132 other episodes of us, uh, well, <laughs> I, I will reiterate it again because it's germane to the discussion. Mm-hmm. One of the things I picked up from you as a storyteller yep. um, is the breakdown at the end. Yeah. We always do this. We ask the players what their, what their, uh, their favorite thing was. Um, how I could do something better to improve their their yep. experience, and uh, I've started asking, what would you like to see happen next game session? Yeah, I think that's great. Um, uh, the Mad Elf, uh, uh, our friend Matthew, mm-hmm. um, asks oh, for a wish and a star. I do like that. I, I do like, like I like that. the wish and the star, and that's and that's the star. That's that's the thing that you liked the most, and the wish of what you wish would have happened differently. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be mechanics. It doesn't have to be against the storyteller. It could be any number of things. It could be the fact that like we ordered pizza at the wrong time, mm-hmm. you know, or or maybe it would be better, you know, if we if we weren't on the couches and we were at a table instead. Th- those are little things that make a huge difference and help make things more comfortable. Um and when so when when players tell you that they like something, that's them telling you that like an expectation would be to have more of that thing. If they tell you that something is making them uncomfortable or maybe that something could have been done better or they wish there was less of something, that's them setting an expectation that there will be less of that thing. Yeah. You know. So it's not it's sometimes it's not in exactly the words of I expect A, B, C, or D. Right. You just have to listen to your players when you communicate with them. Yeah, and I think another aspect of that is also the fact that during gameplay, making those notes allows you as the storyteller later when you're addressing the players to be like, hey, you made this comment midway through. Can you elaborate on that? Because they're not going to remember three hours ago. Yeah. Like, they're going to be crappy at that, but you're the one who can take those pauses while they're trying to figure things out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're, you're the storyteller. You can take as much time as you want to continue the story. And honestly, and I'm going to say this, combat is the longest part of the process. Mm-hmm. It gives you plenty of time to make notes. Oh, absolutely. And address side things. Absolutely, it does. 
Um, I, the other thing I, uh, I've, I've greatly encouraged, and I think you've done a bit of this too, is uh, encouraging your players to talk about their plans with you. Yes. Uh, you know, including them in, in a collaborative discussion about like, okay, well, where are you guys going to head next? Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to head to the town of Skingrad? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to continue on to Coral? Yeah. You know, or are you going to continue on to the Imperial City? Mm-hmm. Um, and having those discussions, about, like, and and what are you going to try to do when you do there? What's what's the plan? You mm-hmm. know, um, because I mean, first off, not only does this help you uh, prepare the stuff for there. So if I know you guys are going to one specific city, I don't need to write the other two yet. Right. You know, I don't need to have NPCs prepared for that. That's that's time that saves me on world building. I only need to build what's in front of you. Correct. Um, the other thing that I liked about that, um, if you can, if if you've got a group that's on the regular, and they're used to doing travel and stuff like that, one of the things that you can do is is not unlike TV series and movies do, where like the 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 protagonist group effectively says, you know, you know, we're going here, you know, because we got to get fuel and. In the background, you know that this person's going to do this, and this person's going to do this, and this person's going to do because that's what they just said they were going to do. So the next session, you open up with the benign as practically narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, you were able to, you know, you landed, got yourself fueled up, you headed to the bar, had a few good drinks, found out about a couple of events going on that we'll get into. You were able to easily find yourself at the spice dealer who got you a little bit extra than you expected, you know, and uh, you, ra- you ran into your buddy and uh, he's going to meet you at the bar that night. So here we are that night sitting down. I'm yeah. handing the quests over. You can describe it with the group. And you've just got them into the moment. They... Mm-hmm. They're comfortable. They remember where they left off. You've picked right things back up versus going through the benign of the details unless that's necessary. And and, and on top of that, you've met all of their expectations. They told yeah. you flat out they expected all this stuff to happen. Why not? Uh, they, they may not, again, have said, I expect A, B, and C. Right. But when saying, here, here's the plan. That's that's what they expect to happen. Yep. You know, you've leaned right into that and you've handed them the, the experience that they wanted. Um, you handed them the thing. That was the thing that they talked about in the last game. Ah, uh, yes, oh. the thing, the thing for Kuzco, Kuzco's thing. That's the so thing tight. specifically for Kuzco. <laughs> um, the other thing too is that when they're when they're discussing their plans and such like that, they can reveal a lot about what their expectations are that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they, you know, if you're like, hey guys, uh, you know, how, what do you guys, what are your thoughts on the fight with the big bad evil guy? Mm-hmm. And they go, well, you know. He said a lot of stuff about this trauma and his childhood and stuff like that. Honestly, I think I think we're just going to try to talk to him, see if we can get through to him, because I think there's a good person underneath there who's just hurt and misunderstood. Fantastic. Cool. What they're telling you is, I expect that a role-playing solution will be viable. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're like, okay, so he's got this secret lair, right? We're going to infiltrate from the south through the sewers, and we're going to spring all the traps, and we're going to fight his goons. Okay, sounds like they want a hack and slash dungeon adventure. Sounds great. You know? Yep. I expect this is what's going to happen. Cool. Um, so you're going to learn a lot about your players' expectations just from have, just from listening the things they get enthusiastic about, the things that they shy away from. And it doesn't mean that you have to present it whole cloth to them and give them what they want. Sure. If they're expecting to dig, you know, dig through the sewers and you know that this guy is literally useless. Like they're they're stalking someone who's not important, but for some reason they've got it in their head that this guy's the linchpin on everything. And he they ate his red herring hook, line, and sinker. Hmm. 
you're still going to present them what they want. You're just going to make it easy for them. And they're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is too easy. He's expecting us. And then finally they get in his room and he's literally in the bath like, excuse me, uh, can I help you? <laughs> I'm in the middle of something here, buddy. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, do, can we have a, can I get a robe and a conversation? You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes that can throw them off even more because they built themselves up to a point. But you've literally given them the entire scenario that they asked for. Sure. And you've walked them through it with sure. the detail that they requested. And subverting expectations for dramatic value is a thing. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get there in we'll a little get there. bit. We but, will get there. Uh, but right now we're, we're talking about just, just giving them the, expect, the, the expected yeah. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know, it, look, it's not about letting your players dictate your story to you. That's not what we're talking about. It's, it's mostly just finding a way to listen to what they're saying, reading between the lines and saying, this is the type of game that I, I want to take part in and seeing what you can do to make your story be told in that way. And, and that's really it, you know, um, sometimes reading the room is, is the best way. Like you're not going to necessarily even have conversations with your players all the time where they're going to explicitly spell stuff out to you. First off, not all players are going to be open about their expectations. Oh God, no. Most of them won't even talk to you about it. Most, uh, a lot of players are not going to fully understand or be able to articulate their expectations. They may know in a vague sense that they are or are not having fun, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I've had plenty of breakdown sessions where people are just like, I don't know, this this session didn't sit well with me. Can I think about it and come back to you? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But you might have read a little bit into the, like, I've had sessions fall flat because there were too much description. I've had sessions fall flat because the player expectation was that one thing was going to happen and it didn't, and it just sent them into confusing loop. Or I presented a new NPC that didn't make any sense for why they were showing up. It made sense to me as the storyteller, but didn't make sense to them. So you can read that quickly, and as long as you make your notes about, oh, this fell flat, mm-hmm. you know, and you can evaluate it later, later or even ask them about it, and they might be like, yeah, I didn't understand why it was there at all. Yeah. And and you let them in on a detail that maybe they just forgot about, mm-hmm. that never came back up, and you're they're, they're like, oh, that was that guy? Oh, dude, I would have handled that totally differently. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Don't I have egg on my face kind of a situation. And that happens. That it things like that do happen. Oh, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And you know, again, sometimes like they uh, you, you may not get that ex- sort of explicit of like, oh, I didn't understand that one specific mm-hmm. thing. Sometimes you would just you'll just hear players go, Oh, I, I just I just thought we were gonna do something different. Or, well, you know, I just thought something or another. Yeah. Uh, or why can't we? Or why, why can't I? Yeah. Uh, isn't this supposed to mm-hmm. Or, you know, when are we going to... Yeah. These are expectation statements. Yep. And you need to learn to recognize them when a player is telling you, oh, I, I just I just thought we were going to be able to break in here. Yeah. I expected a heist to be a viable option for resolving this conflict. Right. Make a note. Okay. Make a note, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Player interested in heists. Copy that. Yep. Uh, so what do you do when you when your expectations are not going to align with the group, when, when, when they don't align with the group? Well, I mean, not everyone's going to match. Like, literally, person to person at the table, you might have three people at the table you're matching the expectations of, and one just totally not at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a thing. Um, it's This is always a weird, con- a, a weird moment. Um, have you ever had it where you've got your odd player out, 
Yes. Where, like, you, you've got four players that are severely into your plot, and then you've got one player who's just like, meh. Yeah. It's and, and what's interesting is sometimes it's the player that I really want to be involved, and yeah. they're just not there at all. Or it's the or I, I've got the opposite where I have, you know, that one person involved and everyone else is just totally floored and out of it. You know, I, I've lost the room, basically. How, how did you handle that? So switched up the narrative on the next one. Okay. Like, noted who wasn't involved, switched up so that I could give focus and and bring those other people in so that it it takes time to be able to do that switch up and to to re-engage and you have to be really be aware and sometimes i mean I, I would say early on in storytelling it was exceptionally hard to do that be able to switch those gears so. yeah exactly exactly uh knocks in the box actually acts uh adds in uh, the live chat uh, i wouldn't have made a blank character if i knew you were going to nerf my spells or or abilities like that ooh yeah that's that's a huge one that's that's a huge expectation especially yeah. in D&D yeah uh, where... you can make whatever character you want i don't care and then when somebody makes a bad character that dm nerfs you mm-hmm. because they don't like the way you're playing it either they don't like or they weren't or 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 they're just not doing the math you know accurately on their end you know yeah. like uh God, I, I, I hate to say it, but, like, Sean got under my skin a lot early on in our campaign. I know, I because remember. Because he knows how to play a bard in some real BS ways. Oh, 100%. Um, and he knows he knows all the, 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 the cruel little loophole mm-hmm. spells that just screw over an entire encounter. And I don't think that way. I don't really like, and I'm not, I'm not saying Sean is power gaming. That's no, not no, 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 at all what I was getting. I'm saying he was playing his character very effectively and efficiently. Yeah. And I think more narratively. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think, oh, you're going to fight. Right. And it will be dangerous because he does a lot of damage. I don't consider the bard has heat metal and this guy's wearing full plate armor. I think it was a beautiful way of handling it. And that trivialized the entire encounter, and you guys killed this boss in, like, two turns. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of that that's frustrating for me because I I had expectations. These, mm-hmm. are, these are expectations of myself that were not met. Mm-hmm. You guys had a great time, but I expected that fight to handle it to, to come out completely differently. Did it matter in the long run? No. But I got salty because my expectations were different. Mm-hmm. The outcome was fine. Yeah, outcome was absolutely fine. Everybody guys, had a great time. Everybody had a great time. My my expectations weren't met. I got salty about it. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, well, how do I nerf him in the future? How do I avoid? How do I get back? How do I get back? Yeah, how do I stop him from from mismanaging my expectations in the future? And I kind of had to step back from that, you know, and mm-hmm. think to myself like, no, no, no I, I can't, I can't be thinking. Like, I got to be a fan of my player. Mm-hmm. When he screws over an encounter, I got to be like, yeah, dude, and high five him, you know. Um, but that's, that's the way to mismanage expectations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I almost fell into that trap. I almost, I almost started nerfing his bard because it's, of that. It's a natural response to feel that you are losing authority or you're losing respect mm-hmm. if you don't have control of the table. Yes. That's natural. That's 100% natural. But the the challenge is, as a storyteller, to rein yourself in and recognize what you're doing to the game by doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. So, um, so there is, I mean, the, and, and that I think segues us nicely into the storyteller and player disparity. Yeah. 
um, where, you know, if, if some of your own expectations aren't being met, what do you do? Uh, and like I said, there's, there's that urge to kind of crack down if mm-hmm. your, if your things aren't being met, because like you said, you're, you feel like your authority is being challenged and stuff like that. Yep. Um, always err on the side of the players having fun. Yeah. Always. If, if you find yourself getting salty about something, consider your players mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. be like, look, are they having a good time? Then go, yeah. just let it go. It doesn't matter. Consider the story. Consider the players. Are they enjoying themselves? Then accept it. Exactly. exactly. Find a way for you to enjoy it with them. Exactly. You and... know, and there are times when you're not going to be able to accept that. There are going to be there are going to be stories where you've gotten yourself invested far too into them, and you're you feel like you're grinding against the players because they're not following things. They're maybe they're murder hoboing their way through a diplomatic story. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not what you want. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we're totally involved in this. And then, like, the next thing you know, they're murdering the next person along the line. You're like, this isn't like, oh, but we're keeping it covered up. So it's very subversive. Like, you're murder hoboing. You're not you're not following the the feel of the story, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, you're you're I'm trying to remember the name of it. What's the name of the show where you've got the serial killer who's who only kills bad people? Oh, Dexter. Dexter. Like. You you planned on running NCIS and instead you end up with players playing it like Dexter mm-hmm. and you're like this isn't what I wanted you know this isn't the expectation I have but your players are like but this is so much fun and you're like ah, I can't do this sometimes it's time to close up the book and be like okay I'm gonna set this story on the shelf I can't maybe it's for other players maybe it's for a different group maybe I expected this group to go one way and I set the expectations and they they just can't because they're not in the mind frame for it. Sometimes you are telling the greatest story to the absolute wrong group of people. 100%. Yep. yep. And sometimes you need to recognize that. And honestly, it is okay to walk away from a game. Mm-hmm. I've done it before. Yep. I guarantee the world goes on. It's fine. Uh, sometimes you just need to say, you know, guys, I don't think this game is working out. And yeah. We'll just, we'll play something else. Yeah. It, accept where it's going if you can and adjust that's another thing i've more than enough times scrapped my entire plot because the players wanted to do something else and you know what it was fun so i rolled with it uh-huh that's perfectly fine there's yeah. nothing wrong with that and i i guarantee you too that like if if you are teetering on that like you know wanting to hang on to the story you've written with a death grip versus what your players are doing that is different from your expectations um it is very rarely ever worth it to hang on to that story with your death grip. Yep. Let go. If the players want to go left and you just really want them to go right because you've written that, uh, I, I would urge you just to let go and mm-hmm. let them go left. You never know where they'll take you. Exactly. And, where, or where you'll where take yourself. Going. Yeah. Yeah. It it could it could be far better than what you're what you've already written. Or you know what? It might even suck to your from your perspective. But if your players are having fun, man. Like, just, just go with it. Write just, something on the side and keep going. Exactly. See if you can yeah. get them back on track later. But just, you know. So let's take a small step into subverting expectations. All right. Um, I don't think it's a good idea for one-shots or short stories or adventures because you don't have enough time to shift gears. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go from a, you know, plucky, thievery group who are busting into houses to horror. Like, that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, dramatic shifts in theme or feel, I think, is definitely something that you should stay away from. Mm-hmm. Oh, in general, yeah, um, definitely. With with, with uh, some little exceptions, like I mean, dramatically shifting the entire game's theme yes. is one thing. Yep. Dramatically shifting a scene 
for drama's sake and then keeping the theme you know the same i think is i think is just great yeah i mean if you're if you want to throw a scooby doo episode in the middle of your dungeon crawly you know grindy quest game sure do it. Mm-hmm. Have fun with it. Let them find a plucky mystery and pull the mask off and find that it was all Mr. McGee who was doing the whole thing and he would have gotten away from it, you know, away with it if it wasn't for these meddling adventurers and then get right back to the story, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Exactly. That's perfectly fine. Those kind of things. But if you're going from something lighter, an intrigue story to suddenly like a horror story or or getting gruesome, like no one's died. Every every death has been off screen or mm-hmm. people have been, you know, uh, quietly uh, knocked out and they're, you know, they come to later or injured or whatever. And then suddenly you have a room full of bodies that they walk into. Like, that's harsh. Yeah. It's even more harsh when they witness it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you don't set that expectation, your players may not be prepared. Like, whoa, 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 this isn't the thing I signed up for. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, and I think that the, the best thing is, is like, don't overdo it as a garnish, not an entree. Thank you. Um, is it like, well, like, you know, kind of like your, your example earlier where you were like, okay, you go through the, 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 the big bad evil guy's entire lair mm-hmm. and it's this big dungeon crawl extravaganza where you're fighting off his security systems and his, and his yeah. minions and whatnot. And you walk in for the final battle and he's in the bath and he's like, can you just hand me my robe? Like, let's talk about this. That's a subversion of expectations. You haven't robbed the players of their dungeon crawl experience. Yeah. You might have robbed them of the boss fight at the end, but... You know, it's they still got their combat. They, they still got, got everything they wanted as the play as the play goes, and and they may yet still have their convers their 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 conflict with the big bad evil guy. He's yeah. just in the bath right now. And one of the things that uh, I think really got made by point was Knox talked about the Mandarin being oh, included. Yeah. I think that was another example of that, mm-hmm. where you're you had one expectation of this is what it is, and then suddenly he's just a, he's just an actor. Yeah, like I'm I'm not even the dude. Like I don't, I don't know who the dude is. It's ben Kingsley, who's yeah. just like, yeah, no, it's just a paid gig. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I have the voice, but like I, I'm just being paid. Uh huh. You know. <laughs> so and and that's the kind of thing that you that turns players and makes them go, oh, okay, well then what's the truth? Did I make up the truth? Oh no! Like and and you you start questioning and that's when player that's when you can pick up and slap the plot back into the player's hands again yeah and that's yeah. that's beautiful it gives them thing i think soft shoeing if you're going to do a direct change meaning like maybe you're in the midst of an act change or your players really want to quest after something mm-hmm. you know they're they're taking a step off to the side of the plot the plot's going to be there later but they're taking a side step because they want to go down this character plot or they found an item and they're really intrigued on like maybe figuring that out a bit more because they might be able to use it that's a great time for a theme or a feel shift mm-hmm. and and give them something a little different and then bring them back like i i think that's a perfect soft shoeing into it if you will yeah. you know opening the door seeing if they even enjoy it and maybe they just close that door and walk away you know you know and if you are going to run something really like uh uh challenging mm-hmm. uh, you know don't be afraid to like run it out of game past your players you know be be vague about it as as much as you can to you know preserve the uh the the i say the shock value of it you know the the um the reveal don't spoil it necessarily but like like you were you were talking about how um uh putting in you know children as combatants oh yeah you did a great job of presenting that was a thing and i was basically like hey guys uh i was thinking about adding this as a theme Mm -hmm. because they're they're bandits 
and they're press ganging villagers into into uh, 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 service. service. Um, you know, I, I, I is that does is that an X card for anybody? If yeah, I present it's, children it's, it's, as combatants, and they were like, "Oh no, that's heavy," but we're okay with it in game. It makes sense. It, it makes it makes sense yeah. narratively in game and stuff like that. And so when I presented it, and some of the characters had some very strong reactions yep, to it, without a doubt, high initiatives were rolled. Arrows were put through chests. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was all there. Like, I think... But it also gave you a quick understanding of what we felt was acceptable. Ex- exactly. It didn't give permanent consent, but it gave you a glimpse. Sure. And that helped, I think, for much further encounters, which you continued on much later. Uh-huh. Which I thought was great. I think the, the whole uh, Stargate movie moment you had, where... Uh, the bad guy had all of the people wrapped around him. Oh, yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally reminded me of Stargate, where, like, all the children just wrap around Anubis. Or, around the Gwauld, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and then he's just like, what are you going to do? Uh-huh. Kill them all kind of a thing? I, I'm their god. Yeah, w- w- what's your problem? You're just going to kill their god in front of them? Yeah, and it was like, ooh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. But I, it, it, that was 100% a trigger for me, and I remembered the scene from the movie, and I watched it in my head, and I was like, oh, oh, that's where we are. Yep, that's okay. where you are. Yep, that's precisely where you are. Yep. All right. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about um, game systems. Yes. Um, setting their own expectations. Yeah, I asked you a question before we got into uh, doing this more, or after we were working on the show sheet, and I, I basically said, like, when has an expectation fallen flat for you, Sarah? Like, was there ever a time where you started in and you had a feel and a theme in mind and you presented it and yet it just didn't hit and you, you made it perfect and it pointed us out that system has a lot to do with that. Yeah. I, I had to, I had to think about it a little bit because, um, uh, I was like, I was like, oh man, you know, in recent, in recent history, have I ever had a, uh, a game go completely belly up? Uh, I had to think probably back to like college days. When I was really big into the World of Darkness by White Wolf Games, mm-hmm. um, and playing Vampire the Masquerade, and I think I tried to run a couple of World of Darkness games that didn't last more than two or three sessions, because uh, I I I wanted to make them all these like huge political intrigue games, and that's kind of how the game is built is yeah. is a, is a political sniping intrigue game of personal horror. And the moment people looked at their character sheet and said, I have five dots in strength and I have four dots in melee and I have three dots in celerity, which means I can kill half of this room before they can blink. Yeah. I'm going to solve my problems that way. And it goes from being uh, uh, a political tangled web game and turns into Blade. Yeah. And that's, I've almost had all of my... Dean or all my vampire games besides a few turn into more murder sprees I, I've had some wonderful role play mm-hmm. but so many of them are just people wanting to use all the combat powers <laughs> like all of them and and it's in the only time that I saw it used very effectively the storyteller flipped the script and started running in a different way and that was he saw that everybody wanted to do combat that way and so he kind of changed it up to be samurai style mm. where like vampires look at each other. And there's that moment where like 10,000 scenarios run between them. Aye, aye, aye. And then wah, one wah, of them is dead. Wah. Like nobody else sees it, but just one of them suddenly is dead because 
that was the one opening. Yep. And they knew it. Yep. You know, kind of a thing. And it's like, wow, okay. Or they look at each other and they recognize that today is not that day. Have a nice one. Uh, now you mentioned Rifts. Rifts was another one. I always wanted Rifts to have mystery and wonder and discovery because it always felt like that. Like uh-huh. the world was full of these little things that that a group could adventure and find and and discover through. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was going to be dangerous, and there was going to be beasts and 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 hardships. It was going to be a survival game of exploration. And almost every single time it turned into running and gunning. Oh, yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's... It turned into Mad Max. <laughs> I think this is one of the greatest examples of, you know, a, a game system set against own expectations is that, yeah, sure, you can you can talk all you want about how you want a hardcore survival mystery exploration game in this this broken world that mm-hmm. is Rift. But when, you're, when your main manual includes things like Glitter Boys... Mm-hmm. Uh, that have like walking are, tanks with particle weapons. Yeah, walking tanks with particle weapons. Much better than I was going to say. Yeah. Um. And you know, MDC mega damage capacity weapons that yeah. like strip armor and and literally atomize you know yeah human like, beings. Literally, there's one of the character one of the character classes involves a dude who's basically wearing vehicle armor, carrying a rail gun with a jetpack strapped to his back. Part of the skull group, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, he hunts down psychers. Like, that's his ability, is that he basically uses this giant railgun at high speed to rush and kill psychers. Yeah. Like... When when that's part of your... When that's a character class yeah. you can choose out yeah. of the main book... Danger boy, an... explosive danger boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sets an expectation for how that game is going to be played, and yeah. even in whether you have that expectation, you can you can go through that. And this is this is one of the main reasons I moved away from D anD D as my main game was because D anD D has the same problem. Right, is you've got all these character classes that have all these great ways of dispatching enemies. Yeah, and if you do not want to make dispatching enemies and combat the focus of your game. Yeah. What do you do? Political intrigue and D&D do not feel like they go together. And your players can tell you all they want that they're okay with a political intrigue game. But I guarantee they're all side-eyeing all of those abilities they've got that are great at dispatching enemies. Yeah. All those combat actions and cool spells that hit multiple targets mm-hmm. and things they can combo together to destroy yeah. people in three turns. And they're going... And yet here we are talking. Yeah. Or or worse yet, all your players decide to be bards. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing combat physically, they're doing combat magically and and sneaking some you know non-somatic spells and rituals in to to manipulate is what they're calling it, but it's just combat instead of talking. Yeah. Instead of working through things. Yeah, it is. So All right, you think we've uh, beaten this one into the ground? You want to get to some questions? I do, I All do, right. I do. Well, why don't you reach into our grab bag here and grab one of our excellent questions? All right, uh, Mad Elf, how do you adjust expectations or adapt to change expectations on the fly as a session is in progress and people may voice concerns? I would say changing things on the fly within a session is hard. Um. I think minor things like the way you describe things or how you use media or even um, 
presentational modes, I would say, are things you can change on the fly without your players really having any notice of it. Um, but definitely accepting it or not accepting it. I think anything in theme and feel is more along the lines of small adjustments. For instance, if you open up the session, you know, uh, and something happens that throws an X card, you know, whether you see it or it physically hits the table, you know, like this, I really don't feel like this is something I want to deal with today. There's nothing to say that you can't take a five minute break, evaluate and adjust your descriptions and adjust your presentation. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the best way to handle something like that, where you're downplaying. I don't think upplaying is something comfortable to do within a session, but downplaying definitely. Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think a lot of it just comes down to flexing your improv chops. Yeah. Um, if somebody says, "Hey, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I'm having fun with this particular particular thing. Can we do something differently or or whatnot?" Uh, you know, if you catch that, or you know, again, like I said, non nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Nonverbal, you know, things are, are are a thing. If you notice someone who's kind of looking uncomfortable, or maybe everybody's on board, but they keep trying to make their character do a different thing, mm-hmm. you know, clearly they're not on board with what's currently going on. Right. Um. You know, I think a lot of that just comes down to just flexing your improv chops, uh, chops of trying to figure out how you can how you can accommodate that player. Without derailing whatever you're currently working on. Right. Um, I think this is the easiest place to fall into that DM versus player mentality, though, yep. and get salty about it. Yep, definitely. Um, because, ah, why isn't this person just on board? Well, they should be on board, you know? Yep, yep. How do I punish them for that? Well, don't, don't, you don't punish them. They just, they just want something different. Yep. Can you find a way to give it to them? And, uh, yeah, I mean, up to and including, end your session early. Yeah, I think that's a 100% valid thing you need to do. To take, a, take a break and think about it. Cool. If you need to say, you know what, guys, it's already 35 p.m. We started playing at noon. Let's uh, let's just end early tonight. Let's just enjoy the rest of our Saturday, and uh, we'll get back to this next game session. So give me some time to think about how to handle this. Mm. Yeah. I've had to do that a few times. So. Grab one. All right. Uh, so Ogunmi asks, uh, how often do you check in with the players, engage their expectations, and game balance desires? Do you do so as a group or individually? Does it need to be formal? Okay, we're going to revisit session zero. Or do you do, do so informally? I think your check. I, I think a check in like that is only necessary when you uh, at that level when like I, we check in at the end of every session. Yeah. I think that's that's yeah. a natural check in. But I think if you're talking about rechecking back to expectations, I think it's when there's an uncomfortable edge, like whether you're recognizing it out of one of the players or several of the players or yourself. Like, hey, guys, we talked about in session zero that this was going to be a little bit more heroic. And you're literally, you guys are kind of running around doing murder spree. Is this mm-hmm. kind of where we're shifting to? Yeah. After you guys tortured the town guard, I started thinking a little bit about where the story was going. <laughs> yeah, it felt it felt a little darker. Mm-hmm. Like, is is that where you want to lean? Is that direction we're kind of taking this? That you guys are not so much heroes, but anti-villains. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think you know. Are you talking about uh, how often do you do this? How often you know, do you do this group or individually? Does it need to be formal or informal? I think all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, like like or like you said, we we check in after every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a breakdown there. We talk about our likes and dislikes and our expectations moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I like listening to your planning sessions. Yeah. So that I know that I'm planning the thing in front of you, and I it also tells me 
what you expect as far as a resolution to the plot goes. Mm-hmm. And between major chapter breaks, um, I like to have a little session zero sort of, you know, a session zero re- revisit mm-hmm. um, just to kind of see like, okay, we're, we're at a natural break point in our, in our game. We've just, what are we doing? We, yeah. You just beat the big bad evil guy of this chapter. Right. And we're obviously going to continue the story. Where do you want to go from here? What are your expectations for the story moving forward? What's been enjoyable? What hasn't? Yeah. You know, on a more broad scope, because sometimes it's like this system stinks. I'm not enjoying it or I'm not enjoying my character like I used to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's there's a bit of that. Uh, there is, um, uh, you know, I, I expected, you know, we, we've been doing this, this globetrotting adventure following some big bad evil guy. Um, and we've been all devoted as a group to doing that. But, like, my character has individual goals. Can we have some time to yeah. explore my story or explore such and such a, you know, other story? Because yeah. that, that spins really on the back burner, you know? Yeah, I mean, I would have been perfectly fine with you doing a series of one or two session one shots mm-hmm. to do backstories between Act 1 and Act 2. Yeah, absolutely. And, and follow-ups. I think that would have been totally kind of neat. Um, you know? I, I and, that, and that's kind of, I was prepared to do that. Yeah. But uh, five out of my six players said they were okay with just following your story. Yep, which works out. So I said, okay, fine. You guys are going to get several sessions of, of his story, and then we're going to see that resolved, yeah. and then we'll get back to doing the main plot. Yep. With my 7th C story, I literally gave you guys a full questionnaire asking which plot line you wanted to follow. You did. Straw poll and everything. Yep, I yep. did everything. I was just like, hey, you guys all seem to want to follow the story. Let's follow this story next. Yeah, And exactly. go from there. Yeah. So I, 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 think, I think the answer to your question, Agami, is all of the above. Yeah. It should be a continuous thing. Uh when it when it feels necessary, it should be a formal thing. Mm-hmm. Um you should you should listen to your entire group, but if you also feel you need to speak to a specific character a specific player about um about something that's con- that's a concern or even just to get their feedback on like, "Hey, what would you think of me doing this?" Mhm. Yeah. Sure. Perfect. All of the above. Communication's key. More communication the better. Yep. All right. Knox says or asks, uh, my question is about when there are multiple players at the table with very diverse expectations and playing styles. I know most games can accommodate all these types, but I was wondering more about the actual methods and get them all on the same page. Would a small reward slash punishment system be key? Do you have a favorite trick? Um, honestly, I, I would say with player expectations and having them meet and then using a reward system is not necessarily, I think they're not a follow through. I I don't think that those come together because a player expecting that they're going to get combat and then they're happy to get combat. You've given them their gift, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, whereas if you have another player who isn't interested in combat at all and literally their, their character hides during combat Right, so they're not involved in the combat scene at all. They're literally hiding off to one side and doing nothing but like, oh God, don't get hurt, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And then at the end of that, you're like, okay, well, you braved it, so here's a drama die or here's a Benny or something. I I don't think that that's great. I think they're role playing, and I think that's wonderful that they're role playing their character. And you can highlight the fact that they're role playing their character. But if you go to that player and say, hey, why weren't you involved in combat? Your character has the ability, and they're like. I don't like combat at all. I, I find the numbers challenging and I it just bothers me every time we get involved in it. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's like we got into D&D and it's a tactical combat game. 
The expectation is that it's tactical combat. Like, are you, were you aware of that? Oh, yeah, 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 but I'm, I'm not involved in those and I don't want to be, so my character literally is a pacifist and I, I hide. Okay, well, you're not going to gift them or benefit them in any way, but if they're still being involved in role-playing and stuff, they're still part of the story. Yeah. I don't see yeah. a problem with that. Uh, God, my, my, answer, my answer to this question is so manifold. Like, there's a lot going on in this question. And then it's not to say that it's a bad question. No, no, I it's think it's very valid. There's, it was, it's a super valid question. Uh, I just I just think there's there's a lot of... Each sentence of this question requires a separate response and i'm not gonna be able to give a blanket a blanket answer 100 percent agree all right so if you've got a table with vastly diverse gaming styles and expectations and expectations i think right there already you've kind of messed up as a storyteller yes you've brought (laughs) you've brought a challenge to the table with no way to resolve it because none of those you've got your combat twink and you've got your heavy role player at the table, neither of those are going to be satisfied. The, right. the, the, the combat twink is going to be bored when people are talking, and the role player is going to be bored when people are fighting. Right. And uh, so I think step one of this, even before you get your session zero, and you know, can we, we mentioned this earlier, when you're doing kind of your sales pitch mm-hmm. to your friends, is curating your gaming group. Yeah. Now, some people don't have the same luxury, and I understand this, I, I'm... I'm a bit privileged to have such great role players around me and such like that. Um, but uh, if if you have the capability of curating your your gaming group a little bit and seeing like, uh, you know, when we talked about like Alien, mm-hmm. the, the Alien RPG, right? It's one of the greatest systems I've ever seen that I will never run. And the reason I'll never run that is because I know none of my friends like to play horror, or if I or if they do, I might be able to get them for a one shot. Period. Right. Period. Right. Um, but that's again because I, I know that they don't enjoy that story, that that type of story. So if I'm already sitting a player down to a game that is not going to be something that they're going to enjoy, then I've already kind of messed up. You right. Know? And so if you bring a diverse group like that, someone at your table is going to be unhappy at any given time, unless they're flexible enough that they're, they don't really have a problem with it. You know. Right. And and we've gone over uh, like your gaming group. We've talked about it. I'm, I'm actually trying to look for uh, the episode number. The episode number on it. Yeah. I think we talked about it in uh, gaming group etiquette, which we did twice. Um, but I know we had one specifically about like curating groups. Um, and I'm just I'm trying to dig for it. But dude, we have way too many damn episodes, and that's the whole problem with our show. Well, that's, um, that's okay. I'm not I'm not I'm not done yet. So I you, by you, all you means just keep continue. Just keep looking while I keep rambling. Keep going. Keep uh, going. So the second part of your question here is uh, wondering more about actual methods to get them on the same page. Would a small reward punishment system be the key? Uh, and do you have a favorite trick? Um, so getting everybody on the same page uh, with regards to um, how to play your game is uh it's an interesting it's an interesting game theory topic in that you need to kind of teach players how you want your game to be played if if that's a thing if you have set the expectation that you're not going to run a combat heavy game and somebody keeps trying to initiate combat um i i 
I don't like punishment systems because I don't like negative reinforcement. I agree. Especially in a gaming environment where everybody the, – the ideal is everybody's there to have fun. To me, if you're using punishment, you are just trying to tell someone their fun is wrong and slap them for it. And that's not fun for anybody involved, mm-hmm. especially the person being slapped. Um, so for me, it's it's mostly about rewards. Someone wants to initiate combat – you just kind of either get it out of the way or you blunt it to the side and you minimize it. Um, but if somebody wants to talk, show that that's effective. And it's it's more about a positive reinforcement thing um, to keep people on track. Um, you're not necessarily punishing the person by not giving them a full complicated combat scene. You're just not elaborating what's uh you're embellishing what's the word i'm looking for um you're just not uh uh leaning into it basically given mm-hmm. the given the, 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 the full combat treatment like yeah, yeah okay okay the couple rounds of combat you hit the guy he dies whatever anyways and you continue with the story um that's what the best i would do but at the same time though uh never use an in-game solution for an out-of-game problem Ding, ding, ding. And that's that's the main thing. Like, you can do little things in-game to encourage certain play styles in your game, but mostly if you've got a combat twink that's constantly trying to destroy things in his path because uh, every every problem was a nail and he's got a shiny hammer, take him aside and be like, dude, this isn't a combat game. Just, I, you know, maybe we can we can reset your expectations here, but I, it's, this is not the type of game that I was planning on running. And it feels like you have a different expectation of what the game is going to do here. So Exactly. And that's, I, again, I, I, I was going to literally say, don't bring an in-game solution to an out-of-game problem. Yeah. But if you've got successful players who are doing successful things, like we've talked in the past, rewarding role play is great. Yeah, sure. I think that's a wonderful thing. I mean, sure. yeah, we're, we're not playing Monopoly. Like, the, you don't have to reward people in Monopoly for playing Monopoly. You reward people in role playing because they're role playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're you're they're leaning into the game. And and that I think too is like it, it's it, as long as everybody's having fun, I don't think any of this matters. No. Really. No. Like you don't have to be like, well this isn't a combat heavy game and then suddenly, you know, like if combat breaks out, you don't have to freak out. Hmm. If combat breaks out and everybody's like, yeah, combat just broke out. Okay, clearly the players like combat. Let's do it, you yeah. know? So, just to go back, I think it was episode 68. 68. 68 that we discussed how to bring a game to a t- new game to a table, and in there we described... Do you realize that was over a year ago? Do you realize what number we're on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I know it was over a yeah. year ago, because I subtracted 52 from it, and it wasn't 68. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, no, please. dude, we've... Oh, we've been doing this a long time. Speaking of which, now, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump off from questions before we close things up. Uh, Sarah, you brought up the end of last session after we were done recording that, that somehow we found out we have listeners in Ireland. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I saw um, there was an interaction on Twitter uh, where somebody gave us a shout out and they said that... Uh, uh, anybody asks about good like gaming podcasts or or like so, somebody said they were they were getting into into into, D, into, into sure. storytelling DMing, yeah. and uh, was looking for for good sources for learning how to do that. And they were like, "Hey, de- definitely you got to listen to this one, this one, and Storyteller Conclave. They're always, you know, in my well, top three. I, 
I, I, I am sorry at the top of the show we did not shout out. I will happily say that we are happy to have listeners all over the world. I see yeah, listings. Sh- shout out to Cork. Yeah. Uh, why Why not? Like, right? that's fantastic. We appreciate it. Please jump in our Discord or, or shoot us up on, or shoot us up, hit us up on Twitter or uh-huh. or, or on Facebook if, if, you, if you're still using that. I don't even know. Or Meta or I don't even know what it is anymore. We'll find something new soon enough. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to be able to give shout outs to you. We'd love to get your questions and and find out what the difference is. Different cultures have so many different questions. Um, I found that out talking to some gamers in Germany, just the play styles, the radical difference in storytelling and oh, play styles. And it's fantastic to hear. Yeah. It's fantastic to hear. Absolutely. So so please hunt us down a little bit. Um I'm I'm gonna try and get our show ended here. I had to pause the <laughs> right. the background, but uh, I'll I'll get things rolling. So next week's topic, uh we are gonna be talking about uh the, the all often forgotten like animal companions and pets and such like that, the followers and whatnot. Uh and how best to incorporate those into our stories. Yeah, I know that we'd we'd kind of redressed whether or not we were gonna do just animals or not, but I I, th- I think we need to talk about companions. I think we need to talk about companions too. So. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try and bring it back to because I remember the day that someone told me that like as a paladin you gained companions uh-huh. back in the old rules, and I was like, okay, followers. that's that's really cool concept of followers. But then I was like. Oh, that's got to be a nightmare. Oh, it absolutely is. But you will uh, have to wait for next week. You can find us at, uh, on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Uh, listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, like we said earlier, join us up on our Discord. You can find the link yeah, uh, to that up on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who assist us every single month in keeping this up, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, and Hulavu. Every month you guys help us so much with that. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. I highly recommend you go up and check him out. He constantly puts out new stuff. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is by uh, Only Our Footprints in the Shan by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank, Thank you, you so much for loving and <laughs> Thank supporting us over the years. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables to give us all these great stories and experiences to share with you, our listeners, and you, our listeners. We love you guys. We love you so much. Good Good night. night.